So the title of today's, and by the way, my shortest sermon ever. Shortest sermon ever. 46 pages. No. <laughs> this is, uh, I titled this, In Search of the First Christmas. In Search of the First Christmas. So think about when the first Christmas might have been. The year is approximately 701 B.C. 701 years before Christ. The Assyrian king, Sennacherib, had already conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes, in 721 B.C. He conquered them, he dispersed them all over the world, scattered them around the world, and brought in other people into northern Israel to settle it there. He then set his sights on taking Jerusalem and conquering all of Judah. And for God's people, all seemed hopeless and dark. God speaks to a prophet. The prophet speaks to God's promises to the king of Judah. This is what he says in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Christmas is coming. A son named Emmanuel is coming. So what does this mean? A visitation? An intervention? Is that what God is saying? Will he come and rescue us, fix the situation, deliver us, comfort us, change our circumstances, heal our infirmities, our relationships, our finances? That would be nice, huh? I sure hope God shows up. I really need some help. Hmm? Remember Israel back in Egypt in hard bondage and Joseph prophesied, God will surely visit you. Surely he will visit us again, now in our distress. And he did, and he does. And don't we look for that? Don't we want him to show up when we need him most? But is that what he is presenting to his people? A visiting God who just visits in our distress when sickness comes or bad things happen or perhaps when it's convenient for us, like a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night meeting or Christmas or Easter day. Does God drop in on us like we drop in on him? Oh yeah, it's just in the neighborhood, nothing else to do, thought I'd stop by and See how things are going with your life. How's it working out for you down here? The prophet Isaiah again is speaking and he expands and explains Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, I love these, Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, 
of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Don't you just love that language? There will be no end of all that his name offers to us. There will be no end from this time forth and forever. Can you just hear the voice of Jesus captured in these verses? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Then we have Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, and he just spells it right out in Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and ladies, she's 12 or 13 years old. She is 12 or 13 years old. Think about that. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So your little girl comes home and she's 12 and she says, Mommy, Mommy, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and where did you meet Holy Ghost? <laughs> Right? Come on, this is real life. This is real. They didn't have a clue. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here we go, back in time, 701 B.C. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, but then Matthew spells it out, which means God with us. God with us. How awesome is that? What possibilities are wrapped up in that Christmas package? Emmanuel, God with us. Romans 8.31, Paul says, What then? Shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, God is for us. He is on our side and against every force and power that is against us. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, anyone got tribulation? Anyone even know what tribulation is? Hmm? We think we have tribulation. How about distress? 
Uh, I've had distress, for sure, right? Persecution, sorry. Famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword. When was the last time someone came after you with a sword? Yeah, a couple of years ago, actually. Right? And, of course, the answer is no one or nothing can separate us from the love of Christ because Emmanuel, God, is with us from this time forth and forevermore. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I find it very interesting that in just the Advent dialogue, that is the pre-coming of Christ concerning the birth of Jesus Christ that the scriptures present such a wide variety of names to be applied to this one life. First in Isaiah 7:14 he is named Emmanuel. Then in Isaiah 9:6 and 7 he is given multiple names. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. When was the last time you prayed? Wonderful Counselor, hear my prayer. I need wisdom today. His name, his name, his name is Wonderful Counselor. Do you need wisdom? Do you need counsel? His name is Wonderful Counselor. It's not a tag on his door. It's written in his heart. Mighty God. What do you say about that? Everlasting Father. Do you know that word everlasting also connotes ever, never failing. Not only is he everlasting, he never misses the mark. Thank you. Nothing like a good amen from down south. Where is she? <laughs> Thank you, Deb. Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings, he's the Lord of Lords, but he's Prince of Peace. Do you know what that means in, in the setup of royalty? You know, it's hard it's hard to approach a king. You have to have audience. It's hard to approach the king of kings. Any king in history that is titled king of kings, and you see it in, uh, what's that one that doesn't have God's name in it at all, that book? In the book of Esther, right? That king that Esther ended up marrying, right, was known as the king of kings. He ruled the known world. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't even have, if you had an audience and you stepped through the door with an appointment, if he didn't extend his scepter towards you because he's king of kings, they would have killed you on the spot, even if you had entrance to see him, including his wives. Right? So he is king of kings, he is lord of lords, but he's also prince of peace. So you know what it's like to approach a a prince? Josiah. Come up here. 
So the best example we have of a prince being approached is David and Jonathan. He's the prince of peace. He is approachable. He is embraceable. If you need peace in your life, you can lay hold of him. You don't need an audience. You don't need any scepter extended towards you. He's the prince of peace. You can approach him. You can speak to him. You can buddy up with him. I need peace. I need comfort. Then later on, Matthew affirms Isaiah through the angelic proclamation in Matthew 1.18, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. After he had already made an earlier statement concerning the name to be given, she shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Does anyone know the Hebrew word for Jesus? Yeshua. Does anyone know what Yeshua means? Yeshua means Jehovah, Jehovah God, the big God, right? Jehovah saves. The application of the name Jesus to this life, to this Emmanuel, is not only God is with us, but Jehovah God, the big guy, is with us to save us. Yeah, who? <laughs> That's a who. So why so many names? The answer to that question could be summed up in the fact that Jesus, as Savior of the world, could only be that if he were also Emmanuel, God, God with us. He couldn't be a prophet. He couldn't be just a righteous man. He couldn't be a holy man. He couldn't be a high priest at the temple. He had to be God in the flesh in order to save humanity from their sin. God with us. And if he is then, it must also be as the Apostle Paul expressed in Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So it isn't like when he was formed in Mary's womb that God, the Father of the Holy Spirit, was there with a couple of little cups and he said, oh, a little bit of humanity and a little bit of divinity and let's see how that, oh, a little more divinity, no, no, too much, no, a little more. It wasn't like that at all. When the baby formed as a fully human man, the Holy Spirit poured all of the Godhead into the spirit of that child. He was fully human, just like you and me, suffered the temptations that we suffer, and at the same time, he was fully God at every moment that he breathed breath on this earth. He was fully God. And he laid it all aside so that he could show us how to relate to his father as a human. And it is in this reality that we discover the Christmas story in the opening chapter of the Gospel of John. 
And if you've been reading your Bible for any length of time, you're going to say, oh, you blew it, Pastor. There is no Christmas story in the Gospel of John. But I beg to differ. John 1, 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Drop down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who believed in his name, Emmanuel, Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, all of that, who believed in his name. That word belief also talks about relies upon. It isn't enough to say, oh, yeah, I read about Jesus. He's so awesome. And he, he died for my sin. And yes, I, I believe that. And now I got to go live my life any way I want. All who believed in his name and rely upon all that his name speaks of. He gave them the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now here it is. Here's the very first Christmas. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the Genesis account, the father is already celebrating Christmas. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There it is, the Christmas story, and less than a single sentence, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God, Jesus, with us. The greatest Christmas gift ever given to humankind the eternally abiding, eternally abiding, never going away God. The eternally abiding presence of the living God, nicely wrapped in flesh. To dwell among us so that we could eternally dwell with him. Happy birthday, Jesus. And welcome. O Emmanuel. I want to read you a little something, a commentary by F.B. Meyer that I came across addressing this. He titles it, The Light for the New Year's Path. The titles of our Lord are set forth in royal fashion. As speech reveals the hidden thoughts of men, so does our Lord utter the unseen God. God spoke and it was done. His words preceded the act of creation. But Christ was the word or utterance of God. 
He who created time preceded time, and that which is before time is eternal and divine. Christ is the organ or medium by which God goes forth in creation, providence, and redemption. The life of God was stored in the human nature of Jesus. When the word became flesh that it might more readily pass into us, true life is always light. When we receive Christ's life, we shine. We shine. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice to celebrate Emmanuel, to celebrate Jesus, this Prince of Peace, this mighty God, this awesome, everlasting Father. Lord, all that you are and all that you have come to mean to us to the church, to the world around us, even to those who don't know your name. You've turned the whole world upside down just by your coming. And so today we celebrate as a community who believe in your name and all the significance that it carries. I pray that you bless our time today as we uh, table together, as we eat food together, as we exchange our love and gifts and care for one another, as we speak words to one another, would you, Holy Spirit, come and enliven in us the seed of Christ, like you did for that little girl, Mary. You overshadowed her life, and she expressed Jesus in real terms. Would you overshadow our lives today, that we also might express Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. And amen. Merry Christmas.